could start going. Cool. So where are you these days? Are you still in Georgia or are you in California or where are you? Oh my God, that's such a good question. So right now I am still in Georgia, but it looks like if a thing that I'm doing, which is trying to, on top of being an e-commerce worker, also being a screenwriter, that I might have to live in LA at least part-time. Oh my goodness. You're Mm -hmm. going Hollywood. Yeah, but it's on fire, Quentin, and it's very expensive. So I don't know. I got to imagine. And for those who don't recognize that lovely voice, this is Jennifer Dunn, the content extraordinaire, the previous... Uh, what was it? Oh my gosh. Chief content officer. Chief of chief of content. Chief of content. Yeah. Uh, I'm still getting used to these C-level titles. They're all confusing. I wasn't, I wasn't really C-level. It was just kind of like, you know, when you're a startup and things start out as a joke. And so the CEO used to call me chief. He's like, I want to introduce you to the chief. <laughs> it just turned into chief of content. So yeah, that was my, that was my fun title. That was a hell of a ride that I bet we could talk about for an entire entire episode. So these questions are a, a mix of things I've always wondered that I've never gotten the chance to ask you. Oh, okay. And a bit of like, I want to understand content and I want to understand how you get to where you get and how the hell you make uncomplicated things, complicated things, uncomplicated. So because there are a million, I mean, I could do a 10 <laughs> part series talking to you. But I'm genuinely curious, how did you first get into e-commerce? Like, was it tax jar? Did you just like jump head, like head first and go, I'm going to explain sales tax. Oh my gosh. No, I think about 2008 or 2009, a long time ago. I mean, do you want the real story of how I got into e-commerce? Cause it's so ridiculous. I want the real deal story. <laughs> okay. So I had just started freelance writing and I just, you know, I wrote little articles for everybody. I had clients in Israel and China and I was making no money. I think I made like $15,000 a year my first year. I had no idea what I was doing. And then um, just randomly, I was reading Lifehacker. And this company called Outright.com was featured in Lifehacker. And it was, I'm sorry, a, like a freelance accounting you know, app. And so you know, I tried it out. And I really needed it just because I did not understand accounting. I didn't know what I was doing. And it helped me. And I shot them like a tweet. You know, This is 2008, 2009. I'm sure that tweet is out there somewhere. I was like, hey, you guys. That's like, I really... Twitter. Yes, it was very early. I've been on Twitter a long time. I think 2009. Yeah. So I shot them a tweet and the guy wrote back, he saw that I was a freelance or a freelance writer. And he was like, Hey, you know, you want to do some writing for us? I was like, sure. So until that time, I had not done anything in tech, anything in e-commerce. And so they, they sort of specialized in like eBay sellers because even Mm -hmm. Amazon FBA wasn't hardly around at that time. Yeah. What were you doing before? Like what what were you freelancing on? Like what were you writing? I was writing just weird stuff. Like my first client was a security company, like actual like home, like alarms and stuff like that. So I would write about just how to keep your house safe. And this is what burglars think about your house. Just really just any kind of web copy that I could get my hands on. I was doing anything. I was not in e-commerce. I was not in tech at all. But you just knew you wanted to write and you kind of felt like a niche there or? Uh, Yeah. Or was it more of just like a, I will write whatever the hell someone asks me to write. And that's exactly what I'm going to do because being a writer, I assume is hard. It was like, I live in Atlanta and I have rent and I have a car payment and I need to write. Yeah, it was exactly that. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense. Cause like, I always think about that and I'm like, how do you get so specialized all of a sudden? And it's gotta be the whole sort of like, (laughs) you need an article about the weird random tangent. And I'm going to get back to this is a really good friend of mine. uh, She one time was like, Hey, can you read over this blog that I'm writing? I was like, yeah, sure. It was like, 5g versus lte and it was like this insane article that made absolutely no sense and i said christina how do you know anything about this like you are 
incredibly brilliant, but you are not like a network person. And she was just <laughs> like, hey, you got to do what you got to do as a writer. But yeah, she wrote this massive, like, it was like six pages. And I was like dozing off at the end. And she's like, what do you think? I was like, for the right audience, they're going to love this. <laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, that was some of my first work. I had a client. I know he was in China. I'm not sure where he might have been in um, Taiwan. But yeah, I had to write about electronics. And I just, you know, it was early days of SEO. So I had to use the name of the phone or whatever, like five times in the article. It was ridiculous. That that just absolutely blows my mind. So back to the story before I derailed this. You were a big fan of this product. They saw you on Twitter. They said, hey, you're a freelancer. Do you want to help us? And what was the first article you wrote for them? Oh, gosh, I do not remember. But I mean, it was something, you know, it was like how to connect eBay to your outright account or something like that. It was a very it was a simple how to or it was a, you know, what you need to know about quarterly estimated taxes as an e-commerce business owner. It was really something simple. And actually, you'll see I still write articles like that to this day. So basically since about, I think it was 2009, I'm pretty sure you can quote me on that. Yeah, I've just been kind of in this financial space. So th so then what happened is I was writing articles for them. I think I was charging something ridiculously low. I just, I didn't know what I was doing, Quentin. I just, you know, they're in Silicon Valley. I'm in Atlanta. So to them, they're just laughing. They're like, wow, you know, she's so cheap and she'll just do anything. And so then at one point they needed help, like they wanted to start their community and social media and all that stuff. And they're like, Jennifer, you know, what would you charge us if we asked you to help with this? I was like, I don't know. Let me throw out this giant number because I was starting to, I thought I was getting savvier. So I'm like, I'll charge you $4,000 a month. And of course they were laughing because they were working me, you know, they're working my tail off and they're like, sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that. That's good. And, you know, I was working for them probably, you know, 80 hours a week or something crazy like that. And I <laughs> So, but whatever to me, you know, I was, I was rich. I mean, $4,000 goes way <laughs> further in Georgia than it goes in it, California. It does. It sure does. But I was working a lot. Now I'm not trying to impute anybody. Like I also, you know, there was stuff I was learning how to work smarter. I was learning how to, you know, automate systems and stuff like that. I mean, I was really, I was just like a baby, like toddling into this dues. world. Yeah. I was paying my paying dues. dues. Yep. And so, but then, you know, we continued working together. Um, they became one of my, my favorite clients that ended up getting bought by GoDaddy. So um, GoDaddy became a client of mine. So that was pretty cool. I saw that. I saw yeah. it on there. I was like, how did the GoDaddy thing happen? <laughs> yeah. And um, then I met, like, actually through Outright.com, I met a lot of the tax jar guys. I met Ryan Thompson, who you know, who is just like one of my dear, you know, beloved colleagues who I'm just going to follow him around for the rest of my life and see what he's into because he's always into something interesting. And yeah, yeah that's just, that's how it worked out. Yes, as a totally. Very, as a very good uh, Pied Piper just to kind of be like, okay, cool. There's something <laughs> Uh-huh. Like, what's Ryan investing in? Is he investing in 5G or whatever that is? I don't even know what that is. I keep hearing about it. But if Ryan yeah, invests dude, in it, I will too. It, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Let me get a couple pennies, and I'm just going to throw my two pennies in and be like, yep, put this towards something. This, this <laughs> yes. one's somewhere. Exactly. That's exactly what I would do there. So so talking about so talking about tax jar, so two things. One, sure. would you consider yourself a tax expert? Unfortunately, Yeah. Do you do your family's taxes? Oh, no. So I, I consider myself a sales tax expert. How about that? Okay, that's fair enough. Because I was going to ask yeah. you to do my taxes next. No, I'm never going to do your taxes, Quentin. That's Stop asking. <laughs> <laughs> this is all a big roost to get my taxes done. Free. I knew it. I don't want to use TurboTax. I don't trust them, but I would trust no. Jennifer with all of my personal information. <laughs> I'll just tweet out a picture of my W-2. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, just, yeah, let's all see your W-2. Exactly. So from a so from a sales tax perspective, so you started at Taxstar in what, like 2015? 2014, I think. I, I'm not very good at dates. You're going to find that out. I think 2014. 
the only person who can check you is probably Ryan, who <laughs> yeah, exactly. to all the podcasts, listens to some of them, not all of them. Hi, Ryan. But <laughs> yeah, he's not going to he's not going to write in and be like, absolutely not. It was February 24th, 2014. Exactly. Um, but what? But what was the driver for this? Was it, you know, hey, I, you know, I, I do believe in Ryan and what he's doing, or was it more of this? I see a puzzle because I, I like what, like what, I'm trying to understand like the content perspective. Like, what is the, like, how do you see it? How did you see sales tax walking into this? First of all, I want to get a little bit like Pollyanna here. You know, they'll come right back to me and they're like, Jennifer, like you saved me hours. You know, I was so worried about this and this like, rec- you know, this this explained it to me and I feel so much better. I don't know. There's not a lot of jobs out there. I guess maybe doctors and nurses and teachers that you really get to talk to people and be like, man, I wrote this thing, you know, five years ago and it's helped you and it's helped you in your business and you're more successful and you have more time to spend time with your kids. And it's like, I don't know. It's just really nice. So on that note, sales tax was one of those things that people asked us about at outright when I was working with them all the time. And just really, I didn't have a lot of answers for them. Like I kind of had the real basic answers. Product didn't really do anything for them either. So when Ryan and Mark, uh, who's the CEO of TaxJar, when they started this, I was like, this is a great idea. Like, let me in. Like, I immediately knew that this was going to be something special. And yeah, and it was. So the the whole sort of the unknown is what drew you to it. The fact that you could say, you know what, I could educate an entire vertical, I would say that. I, I, I would honestly say that I think your articles probably educated the entire e-commerce. Like any person, no matter the VP of, I don't know, what's a really big e-commerce website? Um, RX bar all the way down to, yeah. you know, a mom and pop shop can get something out of the content that Packstar has put out since, you know, day dot. Like it's, it, it's just kind of, it spans everything. Well, thank you for I, saying that. I, and I do, I do think about that. And it's like, how, how do you find like which articles are the ones that you want to write about? Like what, what makes you say, I think this is going to be an issue and this is going to be a spot on document. Cause you did the same thing for us. So, you know, Jennifer does a little bit of content stuff with us. How do you decide what to write about? Talking to customers, man, it's all there. It's like social listening. So you're just listening like online. If you don't have a lot of customers to talk to you, like when I started with Taxstar, at first I was a contractor with them. Just, you know, I was a contractor with everybody. That's kind of what I like to do. Yeah. Keep my freedom. Keep, you know, my, my chance to go on vacation, even though I go on fewer vacations when I am a, in a freelancer, but that's a different story. Uh, but yeah, that's just, don't tell me about the work life balance. When I started with TaxJar, we had less than a hundred customers. So we didn't have a ton of customers to talk to you, but the thing about TaxJar, and I don't want this to sound like a commercial, even though I do love TaxJar and I will do a commercial all day is that, you know, they were really into talking to customers, just like getting, you know, just sitting down and talking to them on the phone for half an hour, an hour and finding out what their problems were. So really it's talking to customers. It's like listening on social media. It's seeing what kind of support tickets are coming in over and over again. And it's also just like, I have the most insane RSS feeds ever whenever I'm really working deep in something like I, you know, I have every bit of news that comes out from the Wyoming department of revenue will come into my RSS feed. And so I'll know if they're like, you know, doing something crazy, uh, like, okay, these guys are up to something. Somebody's going to send us a support ticket about this. Let me just get a little something out there or alert support or put a blog post up or send a tweet or whatever we need to do. That is absolutely hilarious. So whenever the Nexus thing happened, I bet your RSS feed was exploding. 
Oh yes, sir. That was crazy. I was actually in England. I was taking my vacation whenever the uh, the Wayfair decision happened. It's like I should have known. Should have known not to plan a vacation. As, yeah, as <laughs> soon as your feet hit the ground in another country, it's like let's uh-huh. absolutely rock yes. sales tax to the core. Exactly. So yeah, but we kind of knew it was coming. So we had you know we had stuff. Um, but that's another important thing. It's important to just kind of like. I don't know, I guess, you know, really be in it. Like sales tax, it's a pretty small niche. Like shipping Quentin is a much bigger niche to me. And I may be wrong. I may just not be kind of as in it as I was with sales tax, but there are so many things, you know, that can go wrong or that can change. Like that's, uh, I don't know, it's difficult. Sales tax, at least, you know, there are 45 states, 46 states that have sales tax. So at least you kind of know to watch them and you know to watch the Supreme Court. Then, you know, you know, to watch, uh, uh, I guess really those are it. I guess competitors, you know, to watch those guys, see what they're up to. But other than that, you know, it's a pretty small niche. So I think that's kind of another um, piece of advice I have about content is really like nicheify and just talk about your one thing that you're really good at. Don't try, like if Tagstar had tried to be a business advice blog and an e-commerce advice blog and all that stuff, we wouldn't have done as well as we did if we just talked about sales tax. Nicheify. I don't know if that's a word, but if it it's is, not a word, <laughs> I don't think it is. Okay, I, I coined that. No, I love it. It it was <laughs> like it was a perfect phrase. It's gonna be this podcast is gonna be called Nichifying with Jennifer Dunn. I love it. So one of the, it is funny that you say that because I often will talk to customers because we talk about shipping. It's in the checkout. It's in the experience. And customers all the time will say like, "How do you guys handle sales tax? How do you guys handle inventory?" And my coined response is that the only thing more boring than shipping is sales tax. The only thing worse than sales tax is inventory. amen in my head i mean we're we're not i mean we're not the we're not the fun sexy things we're not a review thing like i'm I'm talking of u.s sales tax in this instance for a moment but what we do isn't like the sexy fun stuff what we're doing is like the necessity stuff that can really drive margins and kind of keep people compliant and i just think to myself of you know like what why do you like to write about this kind of stuff like i know it helps people (laughs) but why not why not write for like like someone more like trust pilot or like mm-hmm. why not like what is there a reason why you don't go for like the fun and sexy or is it more of like a say i want to make sales tax fun and sexy yeah i think it's part of that i want to make it fun and sexy and also part of it is like i think i've read this book a long time ago i don't even remember the name of it so sorry guys i can't recommend it but it was about like finding out what your strengths are and just do that instead of trying to push the you know the rock uphill all the time like say i'm not very good at i don't know like advertise, you know, on internet advertising. Well, don't sit there and spend 50 hours trying to learn, you know, Google AdWords and all that stuff. Just don't do it. Just like know what you're good at and do that. I'm kind of good at making boring topics easy to understand. So I decided just to stick with that. Like really, um, for anybody out there who's looking to get into freelancing, not a lot of people want to do this. So there's, you have a lot of work. Oh, good to know. That's a good tip. Mm -hmm. And when did you, when did you know that you wanted to be a writer? Was it born with it? I want to be a writer or like, what did, what did little Jennifer want to do? Oh yeah. As soon as I could write, man, I wrote like a million word story when I was a little kid. It almost won the young authors fair. I was very excited, but they told me it was too long. So I really think I like, (laughs) no, I think I took that to heart because all my articles now are like as short and sweet as they can possibly be. And I even like my short stories that I write, you know, I also write short stories. I write screenplays and stuff like that, but they're all kind of like the minimum amount of words allowed for them to be considered to be what they are. So I'm a very, I don't know, I'm just a short and sweet writer. So probably, you know, those awful people at the Young Authors Fair, they scarred me for life. Do you know, do you know who John Updike is? The writer? Yes. Yes. I won the John Updike award when I was in <gasps> kindergarten for writing a short story. Awesome. 
I don't think I've ever told anyone that before besides like wow. my mom still has the plaque on her house. I have no idea why. Oh my gosh. Walking to my mom's house, there's a plaque there. And I'm just like, mom, what are you doing with that? That thing is like over 20 years old. And she's like, well, one of these days you're going to want your kids to have this. And I'm like, probably not. But <laughs> I'm glad you're holding on to it for me. Oh, she's proud of you. And she should be. That's awesome. I want to read the story, Quentin. You have to find it for me. My mom probably has it somewhere in her house. I'm next sure she does. Down, next time I go down to San Antonio, <laughs> uh, next time I go down to San Antonio, I'll ask her about that. So I want to talk about the ride of Taxstar for a couple minutes. Is, sure. is that okay? Yeah, so it's fine. I want because one of the things that I, I I don't know if you know this, but you're kind of like a luminary in e-commerce for a couple different things. One for being a content absolute goddess. Another thing is is that you were a part of you know, explosive growth of a company that a lot of SaaS companies that are ourselves, you know, we look up to in a way. And so that and you guys being, you know, you guys kind of have your own drumbeat. Like you, you guys are fully remote. You guys are, you know, you guys do those big corporate retreats. It's so interesting to me, but I want to kind of hear about what that ride was like from your perspective. Wow. That's a really good question. Probably this is something I haven't really thought about. Like I stopped working with Taxjar about a year and a half ago, I would say. And actually just to, um, they told me this was okay to say, I am working with them again a little bit. Uh, so, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So, but it's very different. You know, they're much bigger than they were when I left. So yeah, when, when we started, I mean, like I said, less than a hundred customers had a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of investment, I think I can say that. I mean, there were like articles about it and stuff like that, but not, you know, we weren't like, you know, turning a profit yet with less than a hundred customers. I think I can fairly say that. And um, so, yeah, it was just small. It was, you know, a few people when I finally did join, cause I was a contractor at first, when I finally did join, I was still the ninth employee. So I was still a very Wait, early to join employee. Contractor? Oh yeah. Mark won't want, you to tell, want me to tell you this, but yeah, I didn't want to join. <laughs> they tried to get me to join earlier, but then, you know, I started kind of thinking like, well, I, you know, as I just saw how awesome it was, like, you know, the content was good and we did have this really good niche. Nobody was really providing the sales tax content in an easy to read way like we are. So um, that, that was good. And uh, just, you know, I started to see they were hiring really good people, um, you know, even though they only had nine employees, like the, the product was really good. I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is this would be smart for me to do this. But really, it wasn't a financial decision, even though, you know, getting shares in a company that could blow up someday is, you know, it's amazing. That's kind of like the Silicon Valley tech company dream, right? But it was more like I was just getting really burned out. Like by that time, I had been freelancing for since like 2008, so about seven, six, seven years. You know, like I told you earlier, you don't go on vacation. You don't really rest, you know, you work really long days. And so it was almost like I joined tax jar. So I only had one thing to focus on instead of having 10 things to focus on. And it really worked out. I mean, I just, so I took all that energy I had been giving, you know, kind of fragmenting my attention and time to all these different customers and put that all on one company or app or whatever. And really it was because like, I believed in it a lot. I'm, you know, I won't say that I didn't want to join. It was just like, I did kind of resist for a little bit just because I, you know, I've been independent for so long and my independence is so important to me. Um, something else that happened then, like this is personal, but it's a little tied together is I had gotten out of debt. Like I had been working so long and hard because I really, I had a lot of debt. I had a lot of student loans, I had car loans, I had all that stuff going on. And I just wanted to get out of debt. So once I got out of debt, I almost was like, wait, let me look around and kind of reevaluate my life. Do I have to be working these really long days and all this stuff? And no. So it just, yeah, it seemed like a good, um, good time to make a change. And I'm super grateful that I did. It was the, it was a super fun ride. Yeah. That's definitely like kind of a perfect storm of things. And so kind of in the early days, it was, was it remote to start with or yes. did it say like, that's so crazy to me. 
Uh-huh. I can't even fathom that. We have so Shipper HQ's headcount, we're at about 34 right now. Ooh. And I should have an exact number because I am in charge of these people. But uh-huh. I'm gonna say 34. But <laughs> I cannot imagine having 34 people spread across like not being in an office. I am the most I love having my coworkers in the office because I am one a social person. And two, I just love the ability to go walk over to someone's desk and go, hey, I need to bother you for a minute. I have a couple of questions. That to me is, I think for us and our makeup, because we are still a young company, is like that to us is it's a competitive advantage that we have. I'm not anti-remote. I just, I as a COO don't know how to run a remote company. And to me, it is just absolutely crazy that they're still remote. Um, yeah. So there are a lot of things to that. First of all, it started out remote because, you know, the two founders, they live like two hours from each other, which, you know, they could have feasibly done, but they didn't want to. They also had other stuff going on. I think Ryan was still with Magento at the time. Actually, I know he was. Mm. And then their CTO, um, the guy who, you know, was building the platform and stuff like that, he was in Missouri. So it just really, like, I don't want to speak for Taxjar, but I think it was just kind of an accident, you know, <laughs> like everybody was remote. But then the next, you know, they wanted to hire the best people. The next person is, you know, somewhere else. I don't know. The next person's in Georgia. It's me. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, the next person's in Seattle or whatever. And you just, you know, you'd rather hire the best people than, you know, just kind of like, okay, well, who can, you know, drive to the office or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I mean, that's really how it started out. And then it became when the first jar fest happened, which I didn't actually go to, I wasn't an employee yet, but everybody had sort of spoke about how it was so wonderful to be at home. Like Techstars is a really family oriented company. I don't know if we attract family oriented people or just it's, you know, it's remoteness um, does that. But even at the beginning, Taxjar, there's people with young kids at home, you know, super, you know, want to be at home with their kids. Like me, I don't have kids, but I'm really involved in my community. You know, I'm president family, of our, all that yeah, stuff. yeah. And my family, I'm president of our local family violence center. And I do, you know, volunteer work. I, I do um, politics. I used to be a campaign manager for a political campaign, um, stuff like that. So like, to me, I'm not moving. Like, you know, what, no matter how wonderful a job is, I'm not going to move you know, to the West Coast, except for maybe now I will. Uh, but, but back in the day, I wasn't going to move. I know, I know, I don't want to. But um, yeah, so I think that's just like the people that had started the company were really family oriented. And then it just kind of grew from there. I think it attracted people who were also felt that way. And there are plenty, I think I can say this too, plenty of people who were not remote employees. They're awesome employees. They're not awesome remote employees. And that's yeah. just like, okay, this is not the job for you. Like I could never be a teacher. I could never be a nurse because I'm kind of misanthropic and I like to be alone. But, you know, there's plenty of people that's good for them. So I think it's just like I'm a good remote employee. You know, some people are not. I have a question. So speaking of that, what was the last time you had a like in-office job? Because as a freelancer, I'm assuming, I mean, you could have like gotten together with like the freelance homies and like all freelance together somewhere. Yeah. But you were remote at Tax Jar. You're, I know you're doing some of the writing stuff now, which I cannot wait to talk about here in a minute. But what was the last time you like had an office or a desk that you had to sit in? February 2007, I got laid off and our job got outsourced to India. And I'm real salty about that. 13 years later, I'm still salty about it. It was also kind of a communications job. The job was outsourced. And it turned out like you can't outsource jobs that require a lot of really good English communication to another country. Uh, even because it's more in India, they speak English in India, but it was a context thing. And I'm not saying anything against India. You know, it's, it's a great country, great people. But I was salty about the company doing that. And our job really, it like, 
it's hard to explain, but it required like context. And you just kind of had to be a cultural American to really do that job and understand it. It was kind of like trying to understand American reality TV, living in another country or something like that. It was just really contextually heavy. And so it didn't work for them. They ended up like taking the people back. Of course, they didn't give us our jobs back and, and all that stuff. So yeah, that just kind of, and that was a tech company. And uh, yeah, I just kind of got salty about the whole thing. And that's when I went out on my own. I had no clients. I had nothing. I just you know, got laid off and was like, look, I'm not going to work for the man anymore. I'm going to do this by myself. I'm already 25 or however old I was. I'm already disillusioned with this. (laughs) That's how it happened. I love it. Just being like, you know what? Fuck this. (laughs) I'm not doing this anymore. Like I'm going to go do my own thing. Yep. It was just like that. Like I, my husband was also a, like, he was a journalist at the time. And so he was like a freelancer, but he had very like, you know, crazy uh, intermittent income, just like me. So really it was, it was stupid. But on the other hand, it makes you really hungry. Like, you know, you're hungry. You have to make that money. You got to find it somewhere. So that's what what started the hustle. Oh yeah. I mean, those are the kind of those pivotal moments, but like back to the context thing, it's one of the funny things is that, uh, back in the day. So this is talking like early shipper HQ days when there was like four of us in Austin, Karen used to not try to answer the phones because she would say they don't understand British people. And it wasn't the accent, it was the context. And so there were things that like Americans we would sometimes say that just made absolutely no sense to her. And then she was just like, I think this guy's taking the piss. I don't understand this. I'm like, I'm like, what is this guy doing with you on the phone? Is he in the we kind of like looked at each other and i was like just give me the phone and we'll, we'll talk about this pissing thing later because i don't know what we're talking about but it was like i i remember that so vividly about like like international context because before i was at chipper hq i was in college running a bunch of restaurants that was my gig it's what i did mm-hmm. and you'd have people who came in from other countries into the restaurants but i never did international business so then i knew if i heard a voice that sounded like karen's i'd go knock on karen's door hey there's a british guy who wants to talk to you i i, I don't i don't i can't i can't connect with them like i want to i'm mm-hmm. to do it now but it's that same sort of like if you're selling if you're talking if i need to reassure someone i want to make sure i understand all the context if i want to speak to them i want to make sure they're on all on the context and so it's really hard to to do that if it's not from where you're from yeah exactly and just to like i want to also i just want to reiterate like you know i don't like that they outsource because also it it was a job that involved um, closed captions. And you know how and you're watching like live TV, closed captions, how terrible they can be and garbled. Well, we kind of had to decipher those things. So people, you know, who lived in India, you know, English was their first language, but they just weren't used to context. Like it's basically you're making them unscramble words before they can do their job. And we could do it because we lived here and we kind of like, okay, you know, I kind of know what the new, how newscasters talk or whatever, but it just wasn't, they couldn't do it. So yeah, it's just kind of like, it was a was ill- it was kind of fun. It was pretty easy. That's what I liked about it. Yeah, it sounds like it would be a kind of a fun puzzle for like two months, and then you're just like, yeah. will this guy please just enunciate so the damn letters yeah. will pick it up? Yes, exactly. Oh, I ha- okay, I have a good little anecdote about that, though. So this was a company that, I mean, people could look on my LinkedIn and find out where this was. I'm not saying the name. But what they did was like companies could say, hey, I think we're going to be on the news in you know Seattle tonight. I want you to you know, find it and send me a clip of it. Is that kind of thing. You know, in 2007, you know, the thing, we didn't have YouTube yet, right? So this was back in the day. And uh, so we would do that. So we'd find the, you know, close captions that, okay, yeah, they mentioned their company name or whatever. But a lot of times when we, we would get a client, 
um, then like, you know, two months later, some terrible scandal would come out about them. So it's like, ah, you guys know something's coming up and you're hiring us. So you can, like, <laughs> you can find it. Find it all. Find yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. You can see what is coming out. Like, okay. So yeah, we get a new client. I'm like, oh, you know, a drug company or something like that. I'm like, oh Lord, you know, who have they killed? All right. We'll see. Y'all in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's interesting. That is such a, oh, I love that. And so before that, what, what was like, what was your job before you did that? Oh, a college. I went to college. <laughs> that was it. Okay. That's fair enough. <laughs> I forget how young you are. I'm not that young. I'm 39. That's younger than some people, younger than my <laughs> co-host. God, I hope she doesn't listen to this. She's gonna I know. I hope she doesn't listen to this one. We, we can always cut that. Yeah. Hey, Maisie, make sure to cut that, please. <laughs> She's not going to cut that. Speaking of Maisie, I had a marketing team. They actually asked me a question to ask you. Hmm. They said, what does take a bath mean? Because I guess, oh. in, I guess in some of the content that you write for us, because like, ah. you're a contractor of ours, we absolutely love it. We're privileged to have you work with us. And they said, what does take a bath mean? And oh. I was going to explain it. And I said, you know what? I'll talk to Jennifer tomorrow. I'll have Jennifer explain it. And then that's, I'll get a few more listeners to the podcast. It basically means lose a lot of money and kind of especially, especially in the context of like maybe when your profit margin is not as good as you thought it was. So say you thought you were selling, you know, you bought your widgets in China for 10 bucks and you were selling them for a hundred bucks. But what you forgot to take into con into consideration was that there's a you know ninety five dollar tariff on each widget. So really, mm -hmm. you thought you were making a lot of money, but actually you took a bath on that product. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And that's exactly what that's exactly what I thought it meant. <laughs> I was like, you know what, we'll, we'll bring it up. Um, so so kind of talking about, are there any phrases or things like that that you've learned in your professional career that help kind of convey the message? Is there like a certain sentence or a certain like order of what you write to help help people have that aha light bulb gotcha moment. Uh, there are a few things like, I don't know, sometimes just a summary and saying like the bottom line is this, you know, it's good. Also just being very, very simple. Like sometimes people will say like, well, you know, we're not writing for normal business owners. We're writing for enterprise business owners. I'm like, really are enterprise business owners like from Mars? Like they're also people <laughs> and they, they, they read at the same reading level as you know, a, a small business owner with one employee. So yeah, so just keep it simple, always like, you know, and use people's lingo if you want to. But a lot of times too, you're going to be writing for people who are new. So you maybe don't want to just be like way too lingo heavy. Um, so that, and also just use a lot of examples, I think is a good one. Love I think it. like a lot of times I used to, when I first started writing, I would notice that I would get way more comments on um, articles that had examples because people would be like, oh my gosh, my business is just like Pat's business. You know, <laughs> I think they read the, the example like, oh, that's me. And, and so this article answers my question. So yeah, I mean, those are the three things I think. Simplify, you know, examples and don't be like super jargon heavy. Kind of assume that your your person is either new or they're just, you know, if they are enterprise business, they're probably busy. They're not like trying to go to the internet and spend an hour parsing your, your article. Just keep it simple, you know, headers, um, bullet points, stuff like that. I'm going to, have you ever seen those like targeted ads for like the master classes where it's like, oh yeah. But Judd Apatow doing a masterclass. I'm going to sell this podcast to them. I'll split the profit. <laughs> okay, yes, please split the profit. You, can, you actually can take more of it. You can take more of the profit. I'll, 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 take, I'll take the latter. I'll, I'll give you the bigger piece because I'm not actually okay, going to do anything. I'm just no, the facilitator. I'm the facilitator of it. So, <laughs> stop, Quentin. So, so, that's, so that's writing content for fun and for work. I know you've been super busy because I follow you on Twitter and we keep up every <laughs> once in a while. 
But what have you been doing these days? Because like that's what I'm genuinely curious about. Like I see you're writing uh, your story. Like that's the kind of stuff mm-hmm. I want to end on. Like what are what have you been doing since you have you know walked away into the sunset of e-commerce that you're kind of tiptoeing back into? Sure. No. Well, thank you for asking that. Um, I. When I left Taxjar, I just kind of took six months off, which I'm like, remember I said, I got, I got out of debt. So I kind of been saving my, you know, I was able to do that. Thank goodness. So yeah, I just kind of took six months off and was like, um, you know, I've been working, I, you know, went to college, I started working, I worked for a couple of years at that company, got laid off and they have been freelancing pretty much ever since or working in tech and e-com. So I didn't really know, like, what are my other interests? <laughs> like, cause I'm just so busy. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, 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 who, what who am Jennifer I really like to do? Yeah. What is Jennifer <laughs> actually like? Exactly. It's like, it's not sales tax, believe it or not. Like it's not my passion. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so yeah, I just kind of, I had always wanted to be a TV writer back in the day. Like I'm going to, okay, I'll tell an embarrassing story, even though your John up like Updike story was not embarrassing. But when I was like little, like 14, whenever the internet started coming around and there was like e-groups, I had an online soap opera that I would do. Like, so I would oh, really? like write for a character and other people would write for other characters and I would write like the overall storyline and then people would come in and do their little character. Oh yes, it was very involved. And uh, yeah, so, and I just kind of, you know, and I, it, it was just, it was fun. And so it was kind of like writing for TV. It's an ongoing kind of serialized story. That's really cool. Uh, it was, it was cool. It was fun. I mean, it was goofy, you know, it's like what 16 and 15, you know, 17 year olds care about, but uh, whatever, it was fun. And so I just really loved that. And um, I was like, you know what, I want to get into like filmmaking and I really want to write for TV. I've always wanted to write for TV. I just kind of like, it doesn't seem like somebody from Canton, Georgia, this is kind of a rural community in the mountains. doesn't seem like something that I, you know, would ever be able to do like fancy people write for TV, not me. But then I was like, you know what, let's see what it takes. Like, because I've proven that I can be a little bit fancy sometimes. And yeah, that's what I've been working on. And I wrote a pilot, which is now got me, got some like doors open for me to maybe go write for a TV show one day or maybe wow, um, get so my cool. TV show made. Oh, thank and you. Have you. And have you, have you made, have you shot the pilot or are you shopping it around to see if anyone's interested or what's shopping it around? Well, kind of both. We're going to shoot probably the teaser. So, you know, like at the very beginning, like when you're watching network TV at the very beginning, it kind of sets up the whole premise and then it goes to commercial or it goes to credits or whatever. We're going to try to shoot that. So like a three minute little kind of just teaser thing just to, you know, whet people's appetite about it. So, yeah. And then can you explain the plot at all or is that still on? Oh track? yeah. No, I'll That's tell you the plot. Let's do it. When her beloved granny is threatened, an oxycontin-addicted mountain witch is forced to rejoin her family's scam faith healing ministry. I, I don't know if you could hear my eyebrows raising, like, whoa, but I, I <laughs> shot up, but that, that is so interesting. So, <laughs> Thanks. So you've written, have you written more than just the pilot, or are you still kind of crafting the pilot? Uh, yeah, I finished the pilot and I'm writing like TV is so weird. It's got really got its own rules. It kind of does remind me of tech a little bit. But yeah, one thing you have to write is like a show Bible and it's showing like this is what happens in season one. This is what happens in season two. This is the bios of the characters. This is the major Ooh, okay. arcs. That kind of so that's what I'm working on now. That has to be so rewardingly different from the constraints of you know because the tax this tax percent is 5.5 percent you have to adhere to it to be able to say you know what this witch is not going to drive around in a broom she has a lexus yeah to do that is like great like that sort of flexibility like i got i have to imagine these last six months have just been like creative like nirvana in a way 
to be yeah. like, I have stipulations. I don't have this red tape. I'm just cutting through all of it, and I am running through the field with our uh, the meth witch. Yes, exactly. It's Oxy, actually. It's a downer, Oxy not an upper Quentin. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> where I'm from, we're more of the, we're more of the we we go the other way here. Yeah, in, you're in East Texas. In Texas, we like we like to be sad sometimes. <laughs> I completely understand. But no, like, I guess if no, if like you or anybody that listens to this doesn't take anything else away, it's like from listening to us, just like do something creative. Like, I think I didn't do anything creative for like 10 years and it was bad. Like, you don't, I don't know. You just kind of that part of your brain like atrophies, but now I can just like make a bunch of shit up and it's so fun. And like, it's, yeah, it's, and you just never know what your character is going to do. Like, it's just, my character is like, oh, I think I'm going to do this insane thing. I'm like, where did that come from in my brain? It was probably shut up in there for 10 years while I was not using this. Oh, that's exactly right. And I don't know if you remember. So do you remember back whenever I was like, when you were on our Slack channel, I was like, Jennifer, I really want to bring back Commerce Party. I loved having a podcast. I, that, like that was my creative outlet that I could yeah. keep up with and I could do because one, I like to talk. I love talking. I never shut up in the office. <laughs> Two, I like talking and like getting interesting things because there are people that you meet in like e-commerce that you're like, man, if I lived in Georgia, Jennifer and I would be probably best friends. Or there's people like in the space that I don't always get the chance to ask them the questions that I want to talk to. So this is just an excuse to ask these questions and to just understand people that like you idolize. Like I remember, I remember the first time that I met you and that was like one of the questions that I have is that I met you at a pre-imagine and you were one of the, it was my first imagine and you were one of the first people that was nice to me. Not to say everyone was mean to me. But like no one, like I wasn't getting like kicked and shoved. Like, what's up, loser? What's up, new guy? Like, I wasn't getting like, I wasn't getting jumped into the Magento community. Um, oh, you never got jumped in? Shit, I just, I should, I just exposed myself. Oh, I have a question. I have a question. Uh, because you are, you're dabbling back in the ecom world. Will you be at Imagine? I don't know. Okay. No idea. Yeah, I'll let you know. That's fair enough because I'm genuinely curious about that. But I do I do remember our interaction, and I remember you just uh, – you oh. had a tax straw hat on. You gave me a tax straw hat. I was trying to find it – I don't know why for this podcast because I thought it would be cool to be like Jennifer wearing that hat. I think it's in my storage. <laughs> yeah. Unit. But, I, but I, do, I remember that. I remember like the genuine niceness from that and being like, wow, oh. this, is, you know, this is how some people can be in e-commerce. And she works in tax, and I do shipping. And she makes – she's very interesting, and they make this interesting. Like we need to do this with shipping, and I – and the only way to do that was to hire you as a contractor. Just, but <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I, I just, I, I just genuinely remember that interaction. There's a couple of people that I remember, you know, being because I started in e-commerce when I was the first imagine I went to. I think I was 23. Yeah. But I was very young that's, and very. That sounds right. Very yeah. Now it's very young and very malleable. Still, I mean, but, <laughs> I, don't know. I, I, I remember that, and I just, you know, I've always, oh. I think I've thanked you for it a couple of times, but you no, know, like. You know, people like you welcome welcome us new people in, and it's it's always really appreciative, and it's something that you know I'll, I'll never forget, and and I, I will always thank you for. Oh well, of course. Hey, I want to say something to that actually. Um, yeah, I think that is also like I know content is you know it seems like it's writing, it's creating videos, whatever. But I really think a lot of content is also like enjoying people. 
just like mm -hmm. being ready to talk to people, enjoying people, like enjoying their questions. So, you know, we could like get customer questions, you know, and then just be like, all right, let me answer your stupid question, close this ticket. Yeah, but no, we're like, oh, that's interesting. Why is this person asking me this? Oh, there's this whole niche in here we didn't know about or just whatever's going on. So yeah, I think a lot of being good at content really is understanding where people are coming from and you kind of, you know, have to enjoy people. Now, on the other hand, you know, there are other, there are plenty of jobs in tech where you don't have to interact with people at all. So there's, there's, this is a big old world, but yeah, I think uh, marketing and, and content really just like, you know, being nice to new people, for example, I think that that really does kind of go hand in hand. Absolutely. And I, and I, I totally agree with you. My last question for you um, is where do you see content going next? Is it the TikToks of the world? Is it <laughs> like, where do you see, like, I know podcasts are big mediums, but what do you see it as, as mm -hmm. an expert in this field? That's interesting that you asked me that. I've had, like, as I've gotten back into this, I've had a lot of clients kind of ask me that as well. And like, I have the answer that's just like, look, just continue providing that good information, continue being authentic. I don't matter if you're authentic on TikTok, fine. If you're authentic on Instagram, fine. Just continue, you know, writing about, talking about the thing that only you know, or the thing that you excel at better than everything else. And just, and just don't be fake, just be authentic, no matter where you're going to do it. And you're going to find your audience. I love that. I absolutely love that. Cause I think you're right. I think that one of the things that people like the most about just anything is like just being real and kind of raw. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just, it, it's just, it's just so much more relatable. Are you, are you still, are, are you doing your uh, case study thing as well? Is that something you want to talk about on here? Oh gosh. Yeah. I'm really not doing it right now, but I had, I don't know you guys um, reach out to me. I'll give my contact information later. If you're interested in this idea, I'm about to tell you, but yeah, one thing um, that I think is video is just getting more and more important. People like to watch videos. I have a lot of like, like, you know, people, I go to school, like film school now with a bunch of kids and they love videos. And <laughs> I'm like, mm, okay, I like to read. I'm a reader, but whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's that that's a paradigm shift. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So video. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, you definitely want to do things visually in a video, but yeah, one thing I was thinking about is like, if, you know, SaaS companies, e-commerce companies, you could do video customer stories. Now I know a lot of people are doing the video customer stories already, but I don't know. I just think that's really an untapped market. I think like, if you're the first person in your vertical to get a bunch of video customer stories on your homepage, then you're really going to have something special. So me, I'm, you know, I've made a couple, well, I've made one film now I've helped with some others and I'm about to make my second film um, coming up here in April. And uh, yeah, but I think, you know, as I'm getting more like, confident in the filmmaking app thing, I have all this, this experience in e-commerce as well. I just think maybe marrying my, my filmmaking skill set with this uh, e-commerce skill set that I could help people make customer story videos. So I did, I bought the domain name customer story studio, but I haven't really done anything with it. I just kind of, you know, you know, as it happens, I just got too busy doing the same stuff that I used to do before. But yeah, like I'm, this is very something that I'm definitely willing to do. Like some, maybe do a proof of concept with somebody, um, that kind of thing, you know, go out, go out, fly out to wherever your customer is, interview them, make them a really cool video that they can also use on their website and just kind of, you know, treat them like, you know, princes and princesses and do that. So yeah, I do think, um, you know, customer story, it's, it's got all the, it's got everything, right? It's got social proof. Like you actually, I'm looking at your customer who's you know, somebody that looks like me saying that your company is awesome. And it's got the video aspect where people don't have to sit there and read about you bragging about yourself. They can actually sit there and watch a video, something they'd be doing anyway. So yeah, that's a, that's something I, I'm thinking about. And you know what though? I'm not married to the idea If somebody else is like, oh, that is a really good idea. And I'm ready to do it right now. Well then go ahead, take that business idea and enjoy it.
but you can't have the domain unless you want to buy no. it for a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the domain is ten thousand dollars, but yeah, otherwise you're fine. It's fifteen. It's fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand. Yeah, my, it just went up. Yeah, the price has gone up. It, I I still love that idea. I still absolutely love that idea because I, I do think about that as as you know as we get busier. You know, we're we're working on a few things here, but like I I love that idea because I can close my eyes and I've had I've had I've had the privilege of going to a couple of our customers' warehouses and a couple you know pretty large enterprise customers, and just seeing that was like a, an insane thing because I studied like manufacturing sure. engineering is what I graduated in. And so I oh, went out cool. to this company that manufactures, you know, steel and they're welding, they're doing all this. I see their, I see their rolling machines. And I was just like, man, this is so cool. I always like I envision a particular customer that I cannot mention through NDA, but like I always think in my head, <laughs> like, that would be the customer because it is their warehouse is so cool. That's what I always mm -hmm. think. About. And people love that how stuff works stuff. Like people do, they love to peek inside somebody else's office and see what they actually do. No, I totally agree. And I, and, and kind of on that note, I appreciate uh, you letting us peek into the genius of Jennifer Dunn for this podcast. You are really buttering me up today, Quentin, but I appreciate it. Flattery will get you everywhere. Will you do my taxes now, please? Uh, no, I'm still not going to do your taxes. Though. <laughs> All right. I, I thank you everyone for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Jen, you can find Jen at, um, you can find me on Twitter at writer Jen, J E N N Dunn, D U N N. So writer Jen Dunn. Yeah. Or if you have, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do it, Quentin. If you want to do customer story studio, you can shoot me an email at Jennifer at socialstreetmedia.com. Love it. Uh, and her MySpace page is myspace.com slash writer Jen Dunn. Same thing as Twitter. Yeah, yep. Same, same as my MySpace. Yeah. You caught me. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, Quentin.